tonight. Appreciate your faithfulness to the house of the Lord. Pray for the group there in Gatlinburg as they'll uh, be getting ready to go in service. Also, here in just a few moments as well, pastor said, please be in prayer for the services tonight. They've had two fantastic services so far, Monday night, yesterday as well. Had opportunity to watch a little bit of last night's and I uh, have finished listening to the rest of CT's message, powerful message last night on spiritual maturity and uh, rebellion as he uh, preached on both of them there. But they've had 47 saved so far. And uh, praise the Lord for that. Just pray God to keep dealing in hearts and souls there. And uh, just pray for our young people. God will touch them. Young adults there as well. Uh, brother and Bobby, why don't you open us up in prayer tonight, brother? Yes, God. Yes, Father. God help God help tonight. Amen. Let's remain standing. Turn to hymn number 439 tonight. Page number 439. We'll have a song of fellowship. Count your blessings. We'll sing a first, first verse and chorus. Then we'll shake hands for a little while. Hymn number 439. When upon life's pillows you are tempest tossed, when you are disturbed, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings and the one. 
fellas come on down we'll get ready to sleep up this evening's offering tonight while they're on the way don't forget about our operation christmas child going on right now for the month of july <clears throat> and uh, things are listed in the bulletin from sunday and i think this week was wow toys week so uh, remember to bring those in and then also be in prayer uh, coming up for our fundraiser for that to help uh, with the shipment of the packages this year we'll be having the baked spaghetti salad dressing bread desserts only for five dollars we'll have it on the backside, just like we've done after the golf tournament uh, a few months ago and that was a great fundraiser there so be in prayer for that and don't forget about that dinner as well coming up um, 
Brother Gerald, why don't you go ahead and pray for us tonight, brother? Yes, God. Yes, Father. Amen. Anybody on my right hand side got an outspoken prayer request need to be made known tonight? The sermon? Okay, thank you for this request tonight. Well, Charlie? <laughs> Amen. Yep. I do remember uh, Brother Ron Peel and Red Barn got broken into was last night, yeah. and uh, a lot of stuff tore up, and some food missing. And so uh, just just pray pray for that situation there, Lord, work it all out, and uh, just be in, be in prayer for the Red Barn. Amen. They can get it back up and running, going again. Someone else on the right hand side tonight. Go ahead, sister. Hmm. Yeah, just remember that. Anybody else on the right tonight? Somebody in the middle? Starting in front, Gerald? Amen. Yep, still continue to pray for Miss Brenda's family. I'm going over mother there. And uh, just go ahead. Amen. Amen. Dr. Gowan? Well, praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Okay. Let's say. Remember that, the Bobby.
Amen. All right, remember the tension family? Ms. Hilbert? Okay, appreciate that request. Ms. Georgie? All right, special request there. Go ahead in the back. Remember this, she'll be having surgery Tuesday. Someone else in the middle tonight? Sharon? <laughs> okay. All right. Remember these requests up here tonight? Anybody else in the middle? Did I miss anyone? Over on my left hand side? Donna? Pray for him. Rufus? All right, Brother Darrell? Remember this? Jane? Yeah, I bet. Can you remember Andy Wigginton as he had an accident there during vacation trying to recover from that? A lot of uh, some broken bones got to heal up. And the line of work he's in, you need every bone you got. So uh, just be in prayer for him and his uh, fast, speedy recovery there. I see another hand. Go ahead, sister. All right, let's remember these two requests. Send up, go ahead. Amen. We were all Everybody You didn't push it, huh? <laughs> Continue remember Ms. Patsy Gunner, health health issues she has there. I miss anybody tonight? Like I said, continue to pray for the group up there in Gatlinburg as uh, they're prepared to go into another service tonight. Who knows what the Lord will show up and do there. Let's pray that he'll show up and do something for us here tonight. Amen. I know the pastor's not here, and uh, I'm, thankful, I'm thankful I have the opportunity to stand in his place, but uh, I'd rather, much rather hear him preach. But uh, let's be in prayer for our services here tonight. God will use me as his vessel. And uh, I... I know he's laid something on my heart. I just, I'm praying and trusting it'll be a blessing to us all. And uh, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we do lift all these prayer requests to you here tonight, Lord. And Father, I know you heard everyone. And Father, our small minds can't remember them all, God, but I know you don't forget anything. And Father, uh, for the many uh, testimonies we've already heard tonight and praise reports, God, we're thankful for that. And 
Lord, for those who are going through situations, God, and trials right now, God, we lift them up to you, Lord, that you would just give them strength and courage in this time of need. Father, for those who are fighting cancer, Lord, I pray, God, you just give them the strength, Lord, that only you can. And Father, for those who are mourning a loss of a loved one, Lord, and Father, for their home going, God, I just pray, Lord, that you would just be with Brenda and her family, and God, with the loss of her mother, and God, she, um, what a blessing it is that she knows where she's at. God, she's up in heaven with you today, and Father, we pray for the Tencher family as well. God, in his last days here, God, just uh, comfort the family, Lord, as they go through this, and God, I lift Alan Wingfield to you tonight, Lord, that you would just have your will and way in his life, and God, uh, just direct him, Lord, in the path that he needs to go, and Father, show him, God, that he just needs to get some things back in order. Father, we just want to say we love you tonight. Father, thank you for an opportunity to be here. God, I pray now you just bless the services. God, be with the group there in Gatlinburg. And God, the whole entire crowd there as uh, CT gets up and moderates the meeting. God, I pray, Lord, you just show up and show out in a miraculous way. And God, help these kids, Lord, get a hold to something there, God, that would have just uh, changed their life completely. God, we thank you. We love you tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Psalm chapter 37 tonight. Psalm in chapter 37. Thank you, ladies, for playing for us tonight. Appreciate Dr. Godwin filling in for Miss Renee when uh, she's not here. She says she doesn't play much, but I think she plays just fine. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Appreciate you using your talents and abilities to uh, bring glory to the God's holy name. Psalm chapter 37 tonight. We won't read the entire psalm. I'll just go to the text verses I want us to really pay attention to tonight. But the uh, other night as I was studying this and, and uh, reading over it, and I read the whole entire chapter. The whole entire chapter is a blessing. And uh, if you take your time and you read it verse by verse and kind of slow down and, and try to get a hold to what God's saying in each and every verse, it just is an awesome chapter to read. But I want us to pay attention tonight, beginning in verse number 23. Psalm 37, verse number 23, it says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. He says, I have been young and now am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful, he is ever merciful and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. Once again, verse number 23 is really our text verse tonight. He says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He delighteth in his way. Tonight, I just want to take just a few moments. I don't know how long this message will last. I've got, I've got some stuff written down. There's a whole lot of stuff bottled up in here that I've been trying to get out with my pen, but I just had brain block a lot of times. And I said, Lord, you're just going to have to work however, whatever you want me to say. Just say it through me, and we'll see how it goes tonight. But I want to preach on just a simple subject and using the verse as my text. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. When you read that verse, it sounds pretty simple. It sounds like it's nothing to it. Steps of a good man. Let me turn my microphone on if I'm going to be wiggling around here. Sometimes I stay close to base. Sometimes I wander off. So we'll see how it goes. But the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. That sounds simple enough. There seems to be nothing to it. You know, the old phrase goes easy, breezy, lemon, squeezy, that type of thing. You know, it's like a cakewalk. The steps of the, Lord, of the good man are ordered by the Lord. You know, when you think about it, when it comes to life, you have to have a plan. And when you make plans, there has to be a process. Then when you develop that process, the process brings along with it a purpose. And those who are living with the purpose has an undeniable passion that just drives them to get up and go out and do what they love to do. Tonight, as maybe you've already picked out the three points that we'll deal with, the plan, the process, and the purpose. 
But in verse number 23, the word step here implies a process. It says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He's, he's literally, you know, a step is a process. But in the Bible that it's talking, it's, it's meaning the word or term process. Nobody really enjoys steps. But steps are necessary. It's a part of our life. And um, there's many people today who probably can't walk, wish that they could walk up another flight of steps one more time. And um, a lot of times in, in the work that I'm in, we have to walk up a lot of steps, especially if someone's bathroom or the project we're working on is on the upstairs. And, you know, by the time you go up and down, I, I pick all the time and say, man, I'm using the Stairmaster 5000 today. And just up and down the steps, up and down the steps. And, and uh, it really doesn't bother me all that bad until about that 5001 trip back up and down there. Then I'm about done. But anyway, you know, a step is necessary. It's a process that has to take place in our life. When we was on vacation just this past week, you know, we uh, had the opportunity to stop by a place called St. Simon's Island. On St. Simon's Island, they have the St. Simon's Lighthouse. It's there in Georgia, just below uh, Savannah. We went to look at that lighthouse. Beautiful place, beautiful structure. It's not the original lighthouse that was there. The original lighthouse was tore down during the Civil War, and they rebuilt a replica almost of the same type of lighthouse. In that lighthouse, there's 129 steps to get up to the observation deck. You know, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. The building was beautiful. But in order to get up, up to that observation deck, if you wanted to see what all it had to offer up there, you had to go up 129 steps. You say, man, that don't sound like too bad. You have to take in consideration it's probably about 95 degrees and humid when we got there. <laughs> no air conditioning in the lighthouse. So you're starting down at the bottom. As we was going through the museum to get to the lighthouse, there was an elderly lady there. I guess she was probably maybe around 80 years old. And uh, she said, there ain't but one way to get there. It's up 129 steps. I said, yes, ma'am. Was no elevator, was no escalators. You couldn't stand up there and say, beam me up, Scotty. You couldn't teleport your way up there. You had to take each individual step. You could stand at the bottom of that lighthouse and try and wish yourself up there, but it just was not going to happen without going through that process. In order to enjoy that view, you was going to have to take all 129 steps. It required a process. The view was breathtaking. The breeze was nice up there. You could see things up there that you couldn't see from below. But in order to enjoy all those wonderful things, you had to go through the process of the 129 steps. Like I said, no elevators, no escalators. You had to endure the steps. It was hard. It was even strenuous at times. And the further you got up in that lighthouse, the skinnier the steps got. The shorter the step landing was. You get a little nervous as you get toward the top, but once you got up there, it was worth every step. Because you would get up there and you get on the observation deck, and first thing you would enjoy was the breeze. Then the second thing I looked for was a reel to hang on to because I don't like heights. <laughs> I got up there and I felt my knees get a little weak. So I just looked straight out. I didn't look straight down. I just looked straight out and enjoyed the view. It's crazy. I'm not, I'm, not, uh, I'm not crazy at all about heights. If I get up somewhere high and I look down, automatically it's like my legs turn to jello. But if I get up somewhere high and I pay attention to the under, I'm good. But if I look straight down, I get real shaky. So I try, every time I get up somewhere, I try to do that. People ask me, say, why do you go up to them high places? Why did you go up to the top of that lighthouse? So I could beat my fear. So I could tell myself that it could be done. I love to ride roller coasters. The higher they go, the better they are. But as long as I'm strapped in and I got something to hang on to, I'm okay. And as long as I'm watching the view and not paying attention to how far we are and how small the cars are looking in the parking lot, I'm all right. But once we get up there, just let me go. Let's get on with it. 
And there's a couple of roller coasters out there. When you get up to the peak of the hill, they like to stop you so you can enjoy the view. And I was like, man, just let me go. <laughs> let me go. But the steps were a process. Couldn't enjoy the view if you didn't take all 129 of them. Right now in your life, you may be at the bottom floor. Maybe at the bottom floor right now in your life. And at the bottom floor, there's all the basics of life. Everything you need is at the bottom floor. And you may be saying, well, I'm just fine with that. And that's okay. But when you're walking in your life and you're going step by step, every once in a while, you're going to come to one of them staircases that you've never seen before. And when you get to one of them staircases, you begin to look up and say, man, that's a beautiful staircase. Wonder where those steps lead to. Wonder what's up there. Wonder what the view looks like. Wonder what God has for me up there. And until you go and take them steps, you'll never know. But if you're satisfied with just the basic necessities of life and never want to do anything, then just stay on the bottom floor. But if you want to expand your horizon and go to something greater and go to new heights in your life, you're going to have to go up the staircase. Enjoy the view. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I heard a preacher say this a long time ago and I've let it stick in my mind and I try to repeat it to myself every once in a while. But he said, the man who follows after God will always arrive at his destination. The man who follows after God will always arrive at his destination. Remember Psalm 37, 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. For our steps to be ordered tonight, number one, there has to be a plan. There has to be a plan. I've heard it said many times that plans were meant to be broken. That's what we make plans for because they're meant to be broken, meant to be messed up, meant to be delayed. But you have to have a plan when it comes to life. If you don't have a plan laid out, then we can have no direction. Has to be a plan. Could you imagine walking into work tomorrow and everybody just standing around saying, man, why aren't y'all working? Boss didn't give us no plans. And, and some places would operate that way because some people just are not self-motivated. They've got to have some direction. They've got to have a plan. Could you imagine, Cameron, if you know, the baseball team shows up to play ball tomorrow and everybody's standing around and saying, why aren't you going up to hit the bat yet? Coach ain't made the lineup. We don't have the plan. We don't know the game plan tonight. There's got to be a plan when it comes to life. You have to have a plan. If no plans, no direction. But we decided uh, several months ago as we was planning our vac vacation, when we decided where we was going for vacation, we knew we were going to drive there. And we, uh, most of you know we took a cruise this time. Went down to Cape Canaveral. So I began to search it out how long, how far it is, how, how many hours it's going to take, what roads I'm going to take. I like to know when, I, when we begin to decide where we're going to go for vacation, I like to know the roads I'm going to be on, how long it's going to take, how many hours it's going to take. That's just the kind of person I am. And even better than that, I still like to look at an old atlas. Got any atlas fans out here? Amen. You know, I like to know that I'm going to take the blue road that goes to the green road and the red road and then back on the blue road. I like to know those things. But I've always enjoyed it, even as a young, uh, young child. As, uh, we used to go ride around a lot with my grandma and grandpa, and that was an experience all in itself, riding around with pops and granny. Boy, I'm going to tell you what, pulling that little camper all over the place. And my Uncle Larry, he was a truck driver, and he always told my papa, said, no, you don't need to be on the interstate. He said, especially 81, we used to go camping a lot up in the Shenandoah Valley, and the 81 runs you right up through there, maybe about a three, four-hour trip. No, 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 we've got to take Route 11. Four-hour trip turns into eight-hour trip. <laughs> but I was still a young kid then. I didn't really care. Just as long as, as soon as we got there, as long as I could get to the fishing pole, I was all right. 
And uh, it's all kind of adventures when you went with Papa and Granny traveling places. But it wasn't a spot on Route 11 that he did not know. I mean, he knew that, he knew that route frontwards and backwards. And he had a little dog, a road captain with him everywhere he went. Her name was Chi-Chi. It was a little uh, chihuahua, and she knew when a rest stop was coming, man. She could see it coming down the road, her tail start wagging. She knew every little stop along Route 11 where he was going to let her out. She was looking forward to that. that. When his van took off and she wasn't in it, boy, she'd get mad. She liked to ride around with Papa. But even though I like to look at atlases, and when we decided to go for vacation, I wanted to find out where we was going. I knew that from here to Cape Canaveral, Florida, was ten and a half hours. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. No matter which direction you took, you could take one route that would have been four minutes quicker. One route was five minutes slower. Uh, so, you know, we went uh, 158 to 52 to 85 to 26 to 77 to 95. 95 take you straight into Cape Canaveral. So we knew it was going to be a 10 and a half hour trip, 681 miles. Man, you really studied up on that thing. I did. <laughs> I did. So we made plans. And uh, on the way down, we was able to go a couple days ahead and because uh, we wanted to go down to see Savannah. Never been there. We wanted to go down and eat at Paula Dean's restaurant, the Lady and Sons. We got to enjoy that as well. Went down there, enjoyed that, walk around downtown Savannah. Uh, we took, uh, took our own self-guided tour of some of the historic fountains that's in that city down there. Very old historic city. If you get an opportunity to go down there, you'll enjoy it. It's a beautiful place. So we got to go down there, stayed in, uh, stayed in a little renovated roadside motel called the Thunderbird Inn. It's set back into the 50s and 60s type of style, retro style. It was interesting. I forgot what it was like to sleep at a hotel where it sounded like the tractor trailers was pulling right up next to your bed. <laughs> when they renovated, they didn't put new windows in. <laughs> they still had the old windows. I think I heard every truck that went by that night. Didn't get much sleep. But that was okay. We was on vacation. So when we left Savannah, we went down to St. Simon's Island on the way to Cape Canaveral. Man, I'm telling you, our whole trip tonight, I hope it ain't boring you. And then we went down to, uh, left St. Simon's Island, went on down to Cape Canaveral, and I went down to Cocoa Beach for a little while, and woke up on Saturday morning, went and got on the cruise ship. So as we left those few days earlier, we, like I said, we stopped in Georgia for the overnight stay, went to Cape Canaveral. But as we was planning our vacation, that trip had to be planned out. Life has to be planned out. It'd be hard just to jump in the car and take off and say, man, we're going to Cape Canaveral. What's direction are you going? I don't know. Hope we get there. It ain't that way. You got to have a plan. Has to be a plan. When you look at our life, God has a plan for us. He has a plan for us. Say, how do you discover God's plan for your life? One step at a time. That's all I can tell you. I used to tell uh, Brother James this all the time in Sunday school. I said, man, I wish we could go to the Bible bookstore and there was a book on the shelf that said, Ken Horse's Life. Here it is from beginning to end. All you got to do is open up and read it. But it don't work that way. It don't take much faith that way. But we walk by faith, not by sight. We're trusting in a God whom we cannot see, but we're allowing him to use our life to guide and direct us everywhere we go. Got to trust in the Lord. Got to have a plan. My Bible told me that our steps are ordered by the Lord. And if he's doing the ordering, I promise you, you're going to arrive at your destination. The order's going to come through. We've got to follow God. God has a plan for our life. As a child of God, you're his child. He's going to protect you. David went on to say here, he said, I have been young and now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. What a blessing that is. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. You've got to have a plan. When you make that plan, a plan requires a process. Just like that lighthouse the view from that lighthouse required 129 steps in order to get up there. 
Just like the trip to Cape Canaveral, if you wanted to go see it, took six, 681 highway miles. When we make plans and have dreams of things that we want to do in our life, no matter how hard we wish, we could zap ourselves over there. There has to be a process. There has to be a process. There has to be some steps to take. Those steps will require some drive, some determination, some dedication. And with all those things, there's also going to come some resistance. Anything that's worth having is going to have some resistance to it a little bit. There's going to be some challenges. There's going to be some bumps in the roads. There's going to be some hurdles to have to jump over. Some resistance may happen along the process. I follow a fellow by the name of Inky Johnson. He throws out a lot of good quotes, and one, one of them that he has had just recently said, things don't happen to you, things happen for you. This was a guy who was, when he played for the University of Tennessee in football, he was at the, I mean, he was in the prime of his life. Everybody was telling him he was going to be a first-round draft pick. He was a, I think he was a safety. He was going to make a play on a ball that was thrown to another wide receiver. And by the time he got to the ball, the wide receiver was getting to the ball. They jump up in the air, routine play, smack. Both guys fall to the ground. Neither one of them has a ball. The receiver gets up. Inky Johnson doesn't get up. His player said, man, what's wrong, Ink? He said, Inky always gets up. No matter what happens to Ink, he always gets up. Long story short, they rush him over to the University of Tennessee Hospital there in Knoxville, and as they're working on him, he gets the dreaded news as they come back and find out something happened within his spinal system, some nerve damage happened, and his right arm just went limp. If you see him now walking around, if you follow him on Facebook, I mean, his right arm, ain't, it's just withered away, and he just kind of holds it around. But he didn't let that stop him. He didn't get to play football anymore. He said that was one of the saddest things that ever happened in his life to hear that news. He said the week prior to that, said his coach had walked in and said, Inc., said, if you'll finish the next five games out, he said, you're going to be a multimillionaire. He said, I promise you that. He said, I've already been on the phone. He said, five more games, man. He said, you're going to be a multimillionaire. He said he already got on the phone, called his mama, called his aunt, called his family members, said, y'all ain't going to never have to worry about nothing else. Little did he know, one of the steps that he was going to take was going to send him in another direction. Now he's a great motivational speaker. He didn't let that, he didn't let that element hurt him. He goes all over this nation speaking and challenging young people to never give up on their dreams. There's going to be some resistance during the process. But things don't happen to you, they happen for you. It's a learning curve there. When we're going through life, the process, when we're going through the process of life, there are lessons that are taught there that can either be stepping stones for us or they can be stumbling blocks. How do we handle life's lessons? Do they get us down? Do we let them discourage us? Do we quit real easy? Or do we, do we give up in life or do we keep on going? There will be resistance. I'm glad that my Bible tells me that the steps of a good man have been ordered by the Lord. Job 23 and verse number 10 also reminds us, but he knoweth the way that I take, and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Steps do not make life harder. The steps of life, they create readiness in us. Everything we go through in life is just getting us ready for something else. Everywhere we go, every step we take, everything we go through, it's just getting us ready. It's readiness. You say, man, I'm in my 70s. You're still getting ready for something else. God's still teaching you along the way. 
It doesn't matter if you're 10, it doesn't matter if you're 80, God's still working on you. You're still here, you're still breathing, you're still his child. Still got some life lessons to learn. Nobody has a, we're not gonna arrive until we arrive to heaven. It's a funny thing, God knows that a blessing given too soon is not a blessing at all. Think about this with me. There's a reason why you have to be 16 before you can start and drive. Because if we were to give a driver's permit to a 10-year-old, they just ain't ready. Just ain't ready for that responsibility. They're not ready to get behind the wheel. There has to be a process to get a license. There has to be some lessons learned. There has to be some readiness that has to be made. You have to go through driver's education. You have to study the driver's manual in order to get your permit. You have to go and take a written test over at the DMV and ride around with somebody in your car making y'all nervous and stuff before you can get that learner's. There has to be a process. When you look at it, steps are a part of maturing in our life. They're a part of maturing. They're developing us into something. We have to have a plan. That plan requires a process. And in turn, it gives us a purpose. We make plans in life. We go through the process of our life. And in doing all of that, there comes a purpose. What is a purpose? A purpose to give you drive. A purpose is something that will make you get out of bed in the morning. Purpose gives you determination. Purpose will give you a reason to get out of the bed. Purpose will give you some principles, and principles will make you want to pursue your purpose. What's your purpose in life? I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out. Find it. Find that thing that just drives you. That thing that just beats from within. When pursuing your purpose, you may have some setbacks. You may even have some disappointments. Those are going to come. But you need to let these be commas in your life and not periods and let them be hurdles and not roadblocks. I've seen it far too many times. People want to do something great in their life and they come across a little speed bump, they come across a little hurdle, they come into maybe a, like a roadblock and all of a sudden that's just it, man. I give up, I'm done. Grew up playing sports. Many of you know that. Heard it many times. But I'm thankful for those coaches screaming in my ear. Don't give up. Run one more lap. Run down first base one more time. Come on, coach, man, I'm tired. One more time. You drop that ball in the outfield, Horsley, here's two more. You can't come in until you catch them all. Yes, sir. Y'all can't go home until you hit two free throws in a row. Man, my arms feel like jello. Pushing and pushing and driving and driving. And now I understand it all. I'm not shooting basketball anymore. I'm not playing baseball anymore. But I understand what the process that I had to go through that gives you that drive and that determination never to quit. Even when you feel like quitting, don't quit. Even if you're crawling, just try your best to make it to the finish line. I even tried cross country for two years. That wasn't my thing. I like sprinting and see how fast I can run. Running 3.2 miles is, nah, about the first mile and I was done. <laughs> I'd run a little bit, stop a little bit. Run a little bit, walk a little while. While everybody else was sprinting, I was like, man, what's your hurry? I'm just standing in shape for baseball. That's what I said. 
It takes some endurance to run over three miles or five miles or if you're a marathon runner, I mean, 20, 23 miles. I mean, that takes some endurance. But all those coaches I set up under, all those teachers that I came across in my life from first grade on through 12th grade, all of them was teaching me something. All of them was part of the process of my life. All of them was the steps that I was taking in order to be developed into who I am today. Many of those ball coaches that I had, I've never seen again. But I appreciate everything they ever taught me. Had one, in fact, as uh, we was playing in high school my senior year, um, our team was bad for striking out. I was a leadoff man. Uh, it's, it's sad, I still noticed that. But in over 75 at-bats, only struck out twice. But do you know that he made the whole entire team strike out? I mean, to run for every strikeout that ever happened with the team? Man, I was so mad over that. So them bunch of clowns, y'all start hitting the ball, man. Pop up, do something. Everybody up there swinging, like they're swinging in the air. I remember one time, I forgot even who we played, but we had, I bet it was 20 strikeouts in the game. It's like, man, we've got to go back to practice tomorrow and run all them line touches. Right field line, all the way out to the second base. The coach was just a smiling. Made me so mad. I guess that's why I didn't ever strike out. But, man, I just, it still even gets me today to have to think about that. But was, he was just showing us and developing us into a team. One man strikes out, we all strike out. I understand, coach. But don't let our disappointments and our setbacks be periods in our life. Just let them be a comma. Start another page. Start another sentence. Each day gives us an opportunity to live out a purpose. And each day gives us, gives us another chance to live out our dreams. There's a place we go to every once in a while in Greensboro and we walk in the store and, and the same guy's been working there every time we've been in there and he's like, hey man, can I help you? I said, nah. And he said, how you doing today? I said, I'm doing good. How about you? He said, man, I'm just living the dream. Just living the dream. I don't know what the guy's been through. He looks like he might have had a little bit of a rough life. I don't know if he may even look like he might have battled some health problems. But he's just, I mean, he looks like he's just living free. He said, man, I'm just living the dream. Working in the clothing store. I'm reminded that God has made the day and the night. He causes us to rise up and lay down. He knoweth the way that I take and he goes before us and he scouts out a trail. You realize there's nowhere that you'll go tomorrow that God hasn't already been there? God's already been there. There's nothing too big or too small for God. There's nowhere that you'll go that he hasn't already been. He created this place in which we live. The Lord has ordered your steps. So what do we do? We need to make plans. Make plans for your life. Set some dreams. Set some goals. Have some aspirations. And in making those plans, you need to trust the process. I'm 41 years old now. And as I look back over my life, everywhere I've been, every person I've ever come in contact with, all the coaches I've had, all the teachers I've had, all the Sunday school teachers I've had, all the preachers I've set up under, everybody I've ever listened to, it's all been part of the process. It's developed me into who I am today. Every situation, every circumstance, every trial, every tribulation I've been through has developed me into the person I am today. So when you're going through something, don't get mad about it. Trust the process. Trust what God's doing in your life. He's trying to make you into something. 
You know some of the trials that you have been through in your life were so that you could help somebody else that's going through the same thing? At the time, you didn't understand it. At the time, you might have even got mad at God. Why, well, I got to go through this. I thought you loved me. You don't even care about me anymore, God. Then maybe a year later down the road, you run across somebody going through the same thing. It's almost like it smacks you in the face. That's why I went through that. You can be a blessing to somebody else. It's all part of the process. When you trust the process, you can live out your purpose. We've been put here for a reason. God's got us here for a reason. There's somebody's life that you need to touch. There's somebody's life that you need to impact. There's somebody's life that you're going to be their Bible. Just walking along, trusting the steps, enjoying the steps, trusting God's process, and it's developing and developing you into who God wants you to be. Steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Everybody's path's different. Everybody's direction's going maybe in a different way. Although we're all headed toward heaven, but still God has us going in different ways, different directions, working in different places, getting around different people. When you think about life, I've already said it, everywhere we've been, everything I've been through, every coach I've been up under, everything I've ever achieved, every award I've ever received, every test, every exam, every job, every position has developed me into the person you're looking at today. Was it easy? Not always. Was it quick? Mm-mm. Just like it's 681 miles. Cape Canaveral from here. You're looking at 41 years of steps right here. Wasn't easy. Been some bumps, been some bruises. Been some hard times, good times, bad times, sad times. Everybody's been through them. The question is, was it worth it? Sure it was. Would I have chosen the past that I've been down? Probably not. But God directed me that way. Many of you here tonight, you've been down paths that I have not been. Was it a path that you had chosen? Probably 95% of you would say, no, it wasn't a path I had chosen. But it's brought me to where I am today. I had dreams, I had goals, I had aspirations for myself that I wanted to do, wanted to achieve, wanted to be. And God showed up on the scene and said, I got better goals. I got a better direction. You going to trust me? All the teaching, all the training, all the time that people have invested in me was a process of 41 years. That's who you're looking at today. Think back to all the time that people have invested in your life. Hours on end of, of coaches running around and picking up kids and just so they could play ball. So teach them some things. Teach them how to be a man. Man, I learned, I learned a lot about how to be a man out on the baseball field. I had some, bur I mean, I had some burly coach, coaches, man. Wasn't nothing sissy about them. I'll tell you that right now. One of them, he's done, he's done passed on. He passed away several years ago. His name was Richard Reagans. 
we was playing ball one time down at down at uh, Carver, down in the ball fields there, and I can't remember who we were playing. He was one of my favorite coaches, man. And uh, we was playing a game, and some I'd never even heard it, but somebody out in the stands, a parent, been jawing, jawing, jawing the whole game. I don't know if Coach Reagan's had a bad day that day, but he just lost it. I was standing on second base waiting for the steal signal and all I know is his shirt came off and he went out the gate and him and another man got into it. Of course, he got kicked out of the park or whatever. I think he still watched the rest of the game from the, from the car, but that was the last day he got to coach us. We played for the country boy Bassmasters. Had a good team. He fished in that fishing club. I guess that's why we got the sponsorship. But, man, he was just... Mama knows who I'm talking about. I mean, he was just a burly man. Just, he was a man's man. Huge. He had little legs, but I mean, he was massive up here. You didn't want to mess with him. I was always scared of him. Anything he asked me to do, I'd do it. I know y'all getting bored. He put me in some of the craziest predicaments I've ever been in. On squeeze plays. And my, I play in the outfield. going to put me in on a squeeze play. I say, what's a squeeze play? I'll explain to you later. Had me running in from center field to catch a catch a ball from the catcher that was overthrown second base, so we get the man. I mean, just crazy stuff. But I did it. Run all over the place. His wife used to call me legs. Said that's all she seen when I was on the ball field was my legs running around. I can still hear her in the back of my mind. She got thrown out of several games as well. <laughs> They'd kick her out of the game. She'd be out in the park a lot, hollering. You weren't going to get her too far away. Man, it was some good days. But all that stuff, I mean, I was 10, 11 years old at that time. All that stuff was just training ground. Preparation, readiness. You ever think about it that way? Readiness. Everything you've been through. Every trial, tribulation, heartbreak, heartache, setbacks, disappointments, discouragement. Don't let it get you down. Just realize it's part of the process. God's trying to make me stronger. He's trying to make me better. He's trying to teach me something. He's trying to train me to be what He wants me to be. There has to be a plan. That plan requires a process. That process develops within us a purpose. Hope I didn't bore you too much tonight. Let's all stand together. She begins playing. If you got a, something you need to bring to the Lord at the altar tonight, you just come on down. The altar's always open here at Stanley Town. I often sit around and think a lot of times of all the time people invested into my life. Some of them wish I could go back and tell you thank you. But they're already gone. Only way I know how to tell them thank you is just to live out my life the best way I can. God's done a lot for us. He's invested a lot in our life. He gave us His only begotten Son. Shed His blood there on Calvary's cross for your life and mine. 
I trust you know Him today. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, today could be the day of salvation for you. God has a plan for you. He wants you to be His child. We can take the Bible, show you through God's Word tonight how you can know Christ as Savior. What a blessing that is. If there's anybody here who needs help tonight, the altar's open. Heavenly Father, God, as we bow before you tonight, Lord, we just want to thank you for Jesus. God, he gave his whole life for us. God, what a blessing that is. God, we're so unworthy. I don't know how you can love people like us. I'm so glad you did. Father, I pray for the teens and young adults there in Gatlinburg tonight. God, I pray you do something miraculous there. God, there's a lot of our kids that need some help. God, they need some encouragement. Some of them going through things that we don't even know about. God, I pray for them tonight. God, would you speak to them? God, draw them to you tonight, Lord. Just help them, God, get to the altar. Lord, open up our hearts to you. Father, I thank you for our pastor and his wife, Lord, their willingness to go up there. Carl and April, Lord, Miss Leanne, Josh and Jesse. God, I pray, God, you'd even give them something while they're there. Father, I pray, Lord, whatever you give them, God, help them bring it back. Lord, share it with us. God, it looks like a great time there. Father, I pray for our church tonight. Lord, thank you for the members that have come out. God, I pray you do something special here on Sunday. God, speak through our pastor, Lord, in a way that you never have. God, give him a, a message, God, that we've never heard. And Lord, send it down from heaven, Lord, speak through him. God, how we need you. God, I thank you, Lord, for midweek service. Thank you for the opportunity to preach tonight. God, I thank you for the faithfulness of your people. God, may you answer all the prayer requests tonight. God, be with Miss Brenda and her family, Lord, as they still mourn the passing of her mother. Father, what a blessing it is to know she's in heaven. God, be with us all now as we go our separate ways. Father, keep us safe. Father, looking for something and expecting something to happen here on Sunday, Lord. And we can just say God was in this place. God, we thank you for this building. We thank you for our people. But God, all this is nothing unless your presence is felt here. God, help us not to hinder the services in no way, no how. God, may you always be welcome here in our place. May we be able to say it was good to be in the house of the Lord. Father, help us now as we go out into this world. Help us to be a light in this dark place. Father, help us to be a mirror image of your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, it's in his name we do pray tonight. Amen.